just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Straightening the curve Flattening the hills Someday the mountain might get them But the law never will Making their way The only way they know how That's just a little bit more Than the law will allow Kimbo. Hey guys. What's Hi. what's a happening? How are y'all doing? Surviving. Yeah, we're pretty good. <laughs> I've got a sinus headache, but um Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the best kind. Um so uh so Campbell, welcome to the podcast. Um joining us today, uh, I'm Terrence. I'm Tanya. And Tom. Just, hey y'all. Just I'm to... honored to be on it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. And our guest is uh, Campbell. I guess you could go ahead and give a little. You can introduce yourself better than we could. I doubt it. I'm <laughs> Campbell Robertson. I'm a report, national reporter with the New York Times. I spent the last uh, eight years or so covering the South out of New Orleans, and I just moved like. Four days ago to Pittsburgh, the Paris so of Appa- Appalachia. Yeah, yeah, no, that is uh, polar opposite, pretty much. But um, <laughs> both great towns. I like them both a lot. Maybe. I'm kind of looking. For, I don't know anything about Pittsburgh, but I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> we have a good friend up there who's from the county we live in um, that we could connect you with. He's a listener of the show. I was up there not too long ago. I love Pittsburgh. I, I, well, I will take it because I genuinely don't know. I don't even know how many people are on a hockey team. So. <laughs> Have you been this to Primanti Brothers yet? Have I been to what? To Primanti Brothers? Brothers? Yeah. I haven't been anywhere, man. I, I'm moving. So my locals, I just go to Subway every day and then come back here and unpack boxes. You know, I haven't done anything. Oh, that's been my life for like the past three years. I just do it for fun. <laughs> so. All right, so let's uh, let we let's get started, shall we? Let's let's get into it. Um, all right, so uh, Campbell, we wanted to have you on today, um, specifically to talk about. Uh, I think we kind of just wanted to use this as a jumping off space, but uh, we're gonna see where it takes us. Um, we wanted to talk specifically about um, New Orleans, and even more specifically than that, we wanted to talk about the removal of Confederate monuments in New Orleans. Um, so basically, uh, we wanted to talk about like how it got started, you know, how this sort of movement got started, where it came from. We know it didn't just come out of thin air. Like, not like the mayor just woke up one day and was like, "Time to get rid of these things." <laughs> you know, these are bad. <laughs> right. So uh, I think our listeners would probably want to to know, like, sort of like a little timeline on on like uh, when these conversations first started and and uh, some of the major players in how that how that happened. If if you could give that to us. Well, there's a, there's a group called Taking Down NOLA, um, which has been pushing for this for a while. And uh, one of the main players is a guy named Malcolm Suber. He's a big activist in town. Since I talked to him for a little bit recently, and he's from South Carolina. And his family lives on the same grounds where their ancestors were slaves. But they don't want to talk about it, which is interesting, I think. Um, but anyway, they'd been pushing, pushing for for a uh, to take down the monuments for a while before the Dylan Roof stuff. And I think the mayor had been sort of entertaining it, not publicly. And then after Roof, after the Roof uh, killings, he kind of publicly came out and basically said. I think we need to do this. 
the landmark commission uh, voted and the city council voted, but basically this is the mayor's baby. And the city itself never voted at a bigger referendum. And so he is taking the heat. He shouldn't get all the credit because these activists were pushing for uh, long before he came out publicly. But he's, he's getting a lot of the credit, and he's definitely taking a lot of the heat, uh, you know, the sort of uptown, which is the New Orleans way of saying sort of wealthier whites, um, just are livid, man. I, I completely underestimated. I, you know, I've lived there for a long time, and I thought in good old traditional New Orleans tradition, people just kind of say like, well, I could have strong feelings, but I'll have another Sazerac, and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, yeah. But people are, I mean, people are angry. They're still angry about it. Um and, and that's mainly focused on the mayor. And so a lot of this anger is coming from, like you said, wealthy whites? Well, uh, the surprising amount of it. I mean, I knew there would be opposition. You know, the, 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 the immediate suburbs of New Orleans, there's a long history of racial stuff there. I mean, that's where, you know, armed men tried to block, including police, tried to block people fleeing the city after Katrina. David Duke's legislative district on one end, on the other end. So that's one end. You have David Duke's legislative district. Right, who's a uh, white super. I mean, a uh, little bit, just short background on David oh, Duke. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. He was a for, former uh, leader of the Klan uh, uh, or, or a Grand Wizard in the Klan. Now he's he, he ran for uh, uh, governor last, uh, last year, and he's sort of a random just talking head racist guy now who still lives in was he was he ever in the state legislature campbell or or did i dream that up he was a state legislator and he won a majority of the white vote in 1991 but he lost the election right uh oh i'm sorry he ran the majority uh white vote when he ran for governor but lost the election to edwin edwards right who is uh four-term governor and that spawned the famous bumper sticker because Edwin Edwards is a sort of famously philandering kind of haha crooked you know Cajun uh, playboy guy right and he was running for a third term against David Duke and the bumper sticker that that election spawned was vote for the crook it's important (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) and uh, people still talk about it and the Edwin Edwards, who is really smart, he's eighty something years old. His wife is in her thirties, I think. His third wife, naturally. Now. Wow. Um, and he had a great, he had a great love. So that election spawned that bumper sticker. And Edward said during that election, he said, somebody said, "What do you and David Duke have in common?" And he said, "Well, we're both wizards beneath the sheets." Oh my God. <laughs> And he said this, apparently the first time he said this is to the guy who went on to become the executive editor of the New York Times, who's from New Orleans. He was a reporter at the time in, in, in Louisiana. And, he's, and this is the famous election where Edward says, I, only way I'll lose this election if I'm caught in bed with a live boy or a dead girl. Wow. That's Edward Edwards. Wow. He's great, man. He eventually went to federal prison. But, yeah. Well... All great Louisiana, governors right? do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, all, all the so anyway, David, David, so Duke, David Duke, uh, the legislative district that he won, he got to the legislature, um, is the New Orleans suburbs. Uh-huh. And the other suburbs were people who armed themselves to keep black New Orleanians from fleeing the city after Katrina. And then on the other side of the city are suburbs <clears throat> where white flight suburbs where to prevent low-income housing going up, they actually tried to pass a law that says you could only live in the suburb if you if you were, had tested blood, you had blood relations in the suburbs or something like that. Holy, I mean, crazy shit. stuff. Wow, <laughs> that was God. like six years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. <laughs> God. Um. So okay, to, but anyway, all, I'm sorry, I'm long-winded. No, I it's it's all right. No, no, but I going. knew the suburbs would be fired up what i was surprised about maybe naively was how much animosity over the monument removal came from white new orleanians um sort of old money 
white New Orleanians were just really worked up over it. And what was uh, so, I mean, did you talk to a lot of these um, people? Like, what was their um, like? Why? Why were they so worked up about it? I guess it's funny. A lot of them wouldn't go on the record, which is interesting, mm-hmm. and kind of telling. Um, the people at you know who were actually protesting at the monuments, waving flags and stuff. They tended to be from Alabama, Mississippi. Um, you know, they'd camp out for days. But, you know, then you'd get in private conversation with some of these uptowners. And, you know, they'd talk about, well, this is our city and, like, these monuments are history. And it kind of starts as a preservationist argument. But then it's sort of slippery slope. Do we rename Jackson Square? Uh, do we rename all the streets in New Orleans? I mean, you know... Race is deep in New Orleans, uh, and so there's a little bit of a – I think there's a frustration about anything that sort of threatens the balance of who has power there. Well, one of the things – I don't want to overinterpret it. But. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I thought was interesting um, in one of the pieces that y'all had published, it was uh, – I can't remember the name of the woman you published it with, but it was uh, – um, stories that you were telling you had sort of quoted a few people um one of them was like the great 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 grandson of um jefferson davis uh well he was a descendant of jefferson davis i can't remember what yeah, i think it was great great grandson yeah yeah um and it was just it was interesting um it, it's interesting to see like um how a, a lot of these um and a lot of these stories, like we talk about history as if it's history, but um, when you read these stories, uh, you see that it's not. It's living with us every day. Uh, history is never dead, um, and it is with us all the time. And like that, that was uh, on both sides of the issue. It seemed like that was a huge, um, uh, that was a huge issue. This question over like who gets to tell history and um, who, and what history is going to be sort of like hegemonic, if that makes any sense. Um, so, well, it's interesting because I think on the white side, there's this idea, it's like, look, this is history. Why are we tearing it down? My great-great-grandfather. Whereas, and I say white side, which is reductive because there are plenty of white people who wanted the monuments. But, you know, it's not perfectly lined up like that. But opponents of taking the monuments down who are white use this argument about, well, this is history and my great-great-grandfather was lieutenant so-and-so. But, you know, you talk to black folks, and they're like, who gets, who says it's history? We got history, too. It's just not in monuments. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's like, who gets, the, the reason y'all have monuments is because y'all are in power. And so what I found, and this is what Katie Rechtal is, is the reporter I worked on that with, and what she had found was that uh, black people in New Orleans, in the course of the debate over this, had started doing sort of DNA testing and archives work, and had been discovering relatives that they didn't even know about uh, a year ago, um, and where they were, and, and what plantations they were on, and all that stuff. And so this is just something that they were, you know, a lot of these people were just sort of learning about now. Right. Um something I was going to add to that now I can't <laughs> space it um, yeah no uh, so one of the things that um, Jefferson Davis that's a really good point you bring up uh, one of the things that Jefferson Davis's great 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 grandson or whatever was talking about <laughs> was that um, you know uh, we can't just erase history we can't just like uh, you know pe- these are monuments but like, people have to uh, we need to have discussions about them and all this and it's just like okay, fair, um, whatever. But there, it's like you said, there are plenty of people. Um, there, are, there are plenty, of, and you didn't say this, but there are plenty of people who in, are in the South who fought against Jefferson Davis and fought against the CSA and didn't join the Confederates. And you know, right. they're if you not look at Appalachia in particular. Well, Eastern especially Kentucky. Appalachia, yeah, Eastern Tennessee, man, they yeah. were. Total union. Oh, so right, yeah. that's a really. Uh, I wanted to bring this up at some point, but just uh, sort of tangentially, there's like a um, an alt right 
neo-nationalist, uh, conf- neo-confederate rally in um, East Tennessee on July 8th or something like that. Yeah. And it's just like... Uh, those guys have been total pariahs. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's just like, okay, you care so much about history, but you don't, real- you don't realize that East Tennessee tried to secede from the Confederacy. It was called the Free State of Franklin. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- there was a huge population there who were unionists and who died for that cause. Yeah, uh, there was plenty of massacres in East Tennessee and North Carolina of people who refused to fight for the Confederacy. Um, you know, it's interesting. The the county in Alabama. I'm from Alabama, and I'm not tying these two together, but it's just an interesting coincidence. So the county in Alabama that went by far the strongest for Trump was Winston County, which was the free state of Winston. They were a Union county during the Civil War. Wow. Um, just one county. Yeah. Um. And, you know, they didn't want to fight for the uh, uh, Confederacy at all. And uh, I just think it's interesting that, that that county went strong. And, you know, you can make the argument, look, those were poor uh, whites in the West. They didn't want to fight for some, you know, plantation guy. You know what I mean? For the rights of some guy, some rich guy to have slaves. So there are a million ways to look at it, but I do think it's kind of an interesting coincidence. Right. Um, so, okay, so, like... I guess, uh, you know, we have some of the players established, like, who was advocating for taking these monuments down and all this. Um, so, like, were you, you were at the protests uh, around the monuments while they were being taken down? I was not there for uh, Davis, and, and I went, there was a big alt-right sort of carnival one weekend where they weren't taking them down, but they flew in people, you know, they had a big rally, and a colleague of mine covered that. But I was there when they took down Beauregard, and finally when Lee came down. And by the time Lee came down, there really weren't that many protesters. I thought it was going to be big, but just about everybody I saw when Lee was being taken down, which was the biggie, that's the big one that's right. sort of a big landmark in right. town. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody there was cheering that I saw. Maybe all the neo Confederates were hung over that day. <laughs> Terry ter- too long at the wine on uh, Bourbon Street. Dearest Nelly, <laughs> I drank too much wine. Yeah. <laughs> what they? What are they doing with these? These monuments, these statues. That well, the, it's funny you should ask. I mean, the mayor kept saying, you know, we're going to treat them. We just want them in context, and we're going to treat them, you know, with sort of and stuff <laughs> and then somebody got a photo that they were being kept in like a junk pile behind a police motor pool <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that picture <laughs> and, and so all the uh, you know all the opponents of this got really angry but I mean they've been outside for a hundred years like yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they're gonna I think they're gonna they're doing a request for proposals you know they want to do museums or like schools or something where they and put it inside is what they said in sort of proper context. Well, I don't know what that means. An old timer here, when he caught wind of this, saw it in the papers. I guess uh, he said that he thought we should try to get them all brought here so we could put them on trial as a big public theater action. <laughs> oh my God, that uh, would be fantastic! But man. his daughter that would was be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, his daughter was sitting there, and she said, "Yeah, Dad," but the headline would be. Confederate monuments head to Whitesburg. (laughs) (laughs) That's all people. (laughs) One of the organizers with Take Him Down NOLA I saw in this article in The Nation said that they should grind it up and uh, use it to strengthen the shoreline they keep losing (laughs) day by day in in New Orleans. Um, So... uh, so so yeah so um so yeah no like by the time they took down uh, Robert E Lee uh, a lot of people, the crowd had dissipated. Imagine that um, the alt right can't really uh, stick to their <laughs> guns about anything <laughs> longer than a. F- they were a few. all in Charlottesville, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. that time. I guess you're right. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's interesting. Um, this is a, uh, you know, this isn't just New Orleans. Um, this is sort of something that's all over the South. Um, but interestingly enough, it's not even just the South. Um, it's also uh, in Arizona, or you know, there's states like Arizona that have a lot of 
monuments to the Confederacy and to Confederate figures. Um, and I don't know, have you uh, covered any other sort of um, events like this in the South, or is there is there, can you put this into a sort of like regional context? Is there anything like? I mean, they, you know, I was I was in uh, South Carolina when they took down the flag after the Dillon Roof shooting. And I was really surprised that they did that. I mean, I was talking to white legislators, and, and they were, they knew it was unpopular. If they had voted on it, I bet you the state would have voted to keep them at that time. And then I wrote about it in Mississippi, and it, it, that thing's never, <laughs> you know, I wrote some gullible story where it's like, you know, so-and-so uh, says that they have the support and the power to get this flag down. Of course, nothing happened. I mean, that flag isn't going to change in a long time. All the universities in Mississippi have taken them. Don't fly the flag. All the public ones, and a lot of towns won't fly the flag because um, you know it has the stars, the not stars and bars, the, the cross in the flag. Um, but it's just not going to change. People don't want to change it. But you're right. I mean, that, you know, there. I've seen uh, Confederate flags here in Pennsylvania. I was, I was on vacation once in France. And I saw a big Confederate flag hanging wow. from somebody's house. That's fascinating. Um, <laughs> I've always wondered. Um, it's been an ongoing joke. It was in the south of it. was like prime Le Pen country. You know, it was in the uh, south. Did they also have truck nuts on their truck? <laughs> <laughs> truck nuts is more of a Belgian thing. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was, um... What was was there a, like a community? Was it in Brazil or Paraguay that all the confed like a lot of Confederates flocked to? What was, Brazil was it? Brazil? Yeah, it was, I think it was in Brazil. And a, a colleague of mine wrote about it. And they like dress in hoop skirts and like have big Southern ball still yeah. every year on like Confederate Memorial Day. Yes, like wear like you know those string ties and stuff. Yeah, sort of like <laughs> uh, when the Nazis fled to Argentina after World War Two, the Confederates <laughs> fled to Brazil after the Civil War. Um, but then we didn't commit to Reconstruction, so they all came back, which is fascinating. Well, South America just gets our best and brightest. I guess they do. <laughs> yeah. I guess they do. Bright brain drain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brain drain. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, it's interesting to. It's interesting um, that it took. It, it's uh, not. It's terribly tragic and ridiculous that it took a mass sh- shooting for them to sort of be bird along to do something about that flag but it's also just says a lot about i think it just says so much about america in general how it persists even in places like pennsylvania and arizona like we've never sort of comprehensively or collectively rejected the idea of the confederacy it it was attempted for about 15 to 20 years during reconstruction and that that uh well, we all know what happened there. Well, actually, I guess some of us know what happened there. <laughs> but but um, I just think that it's a, just such an, an interesting and important lesson um, for the future, which is that um, what they did to the Nazis after uh, World War II is what we should have done, honestly, to the Confederates after the Civil War, which is like... Um, you bury that idea. That idea is Stomp a toxic, right? Yeah. Is a toxic idea that uh, that cannot be allowed to flourish. But now here we are in 2017. Still, I mean, it's good. I mean, I I think it's great that they took down the monuments. Um, and I wish they would take them down everywhere. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just I think it's just interesting just how how history plays out that way. If you don't uh, take care of an idea, if you don't actually get rid of it, um, how it can persist and people latch on to it over time. Well, it's also interesting to me that, like, you know, people say, you know, this is a historical artifact. You know, the Civil War was really fought, and, you know, it is a part of our history. But these monuments, not necessarily the ones in New Orleans, but all the ones in New Orleans went up after Reconstruction. And the majority, I don't know if the majority, but the plurality of monuments, Confederate monuments around the country, there were two big spikes when the monuments really went up. One was in like the early 20th century um, when Jim Crow really took off. Right. And and there was federal action against it. And the other was in the, I mean, Georgia put the uh, 
the the battle flag and its flag in 1956. Right. And Alabama put the battle flag on the state capitol when Bobby Kennedy was coming down there to meet with Wallace, and it stayed up there until the 90s. So to 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 think that, to say that the monuments are all sort of relics of a time that is just referring to the Civil War. They were they were explicitly put up there uh, as a sign, you know, as a big middle finger to the federal government on racial matters. A lot of them were. Right. Um, I mean, you know, just like the Georgia one. I mean, there's no question. And Mississippi, uh, not Mississippi, South Carolina put its flag on the state house grounds in 1961. And they say it's like it was the 100th anniversary of the Civil War. Um, maybe that's right, but it's you know it's awfully convenient given the tenor of federal state race issues at the time. Yeah. Yeah, the first one in Arizona went up in like 1945 or 1946. <laughs> Just crazy. Only a small part of Arizona was part of the Confederacy, apparently. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, back to New Orleans real quick. The very first um, new, like, sort of confederate monument to go up there and i'm just pulling this from one of your articles i didn't even know about it but it was the first one they took down it was a sort of commemoration of uh this white militia called the white league uh that that had some sort of like uprising in 1874 or something um is that right and then and then they put up that uh commemoration shortly after that um well they had they had a uh governor's race in 18 18- 1862, uh-huh. or not 1862, 1872. And the white pro Southern Democrat probably won, but it helped that they had armed men standing at the polls telling blacks not to vote. Um, and so the federal government was like, well, the Reconstruction governor really is the real governor. I mean, you guys, intimidation and right. corruption. And so they put the Reconstruction governor in, and he had a multiracial cabinet. And it's interesting, uh, Longstreet, who is Lee's right-hand man at Gettysburg, was working for the Reconstruction government there, the multiracial Reconstruction government. Longstreet's an interesting, complicated guy. And so the governor in exile, like the the white Southern Democratic governor, uh, on his behalf, these thousands of like white guys formed this paramilitary group called the White League, and they basically just invaded New Orleans. One, they defeated the police in the, in the uh, state National Guard or the state guard and took over the state government. And eventually they were, you know, Grant sent down, Grant was president, sent down, you know, threatened to send down federal troops, and, they, and the White League left. But uh, that battle was one of the first monuments commemorated uh, that was up and in the 30s they added a line to the monument that said something like this is in honor of white supremacy and you know the blow that was struck for white supremacy so it's pretty unequivocal (laughs) that one was about and they had a big fight over it in the 90s David Duke was a big part of it and so they moved it like it's like you know these these things happen like they want to get rid of it but they were like, we can do a compromise. So it was sitting in the corner of this parking lot by the train tracks on the way to the aquarium. Like you literally had to be intensely interested in the White League monument to even know where it was. So it's kind of not surprising that they took that down first because nobody would know how to get to it to protest. Yeah. Um, you know, in, back on that note um, of like you saw an explosion of these monuments go up right after reconstruction um there's a quote that the daily i'm going to say this i've always hey how do you say this uh campbell is it daily picayune <laughs> Pick it, yeah the picayune <laughs> i've always wondered how you say that <laughs> um but when the robert e lee statue went up um they wrote by every appliance of literature and art we must show to all coming ages that with us at least there dwells no sense of guilt. That's, um, I mean, like that. That is kind of like the uh, sort of impetus, right? Like, or the sort of like ideology of like putting these up in a lot of ways, right? The sort of like. Man, I, and I'm not even a nerd here, but like I'm unpacking my desk because I'm moving, right? Uh-huh. And I just found out this, this little brochure that somebody 
uh, that I got years ago. This is the dedication of a Confederate monument in Oxford, North Carolina in 1909. And the governor says uh, that he was glad that many of the Confederate veterans had lived to see the day, quote, when the world is beginning to appreciate that it is not in the power of all the armies ever drilled or any constitution ever written to make the white man and the black man equal on this earth. Wow. Like he said it at the dedication, yeah. like 50 years after the war was over. Right. You know, it's fascinating how obsessed, on one hand, you get these alt-right, neo-Confederate types, and um, y'all quoted them, you and Katie quoted them in one of your stories. Um, this wasn't Jefferson Davis's grand- grandson. This was another guy. I can't remember what his name was. But he, uh, you know, he, he goes on like, oh, people, if people knew the real history. Then you always hear this. From the, they're always talking about <laughs> yeah. the real history. The, re- uh, the revisionist history taught in schools. Yeah. yeah. And they're always talking about, um, yeah, it's just like, You've got, um, you know, the vice president of the CSA just talking about, like, how white supremacy was literally the whole point of the CSA. Uh, But then you've also got this idea of the war of northern aggression, which is, like, (laughs) blows my mind because, like, the South fired the first fucking shot. Like, the South fired the first shot. Like, it wasn't the North. That was the whole reason there was a war. Because PGT Beauregard, who actually was one of the monuments that they took down, Fired on yeah. a fort outside of South Carolina. <laughs> like, the, what northern aggression? <laughs> I don't know. It's just... It's, Trigger warning. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting because I went to, the, I went to Mont- Montgomery for the 150th anniversary of the Confederate inauguration or whatever, and I sat with some SCV guys, some of the Confederate veteran guys. And, like, to them, it's, like... I'll say, well, so this is about slavery. I mean, look, I got Confederates up and down my family tree. And I'm like, I know what they were fighting for. I'm not not dumb. Um, And I'm like, so this is about, and they're like, they're just process. It's all about the process. It's not about the substance. They're like, well, we'll debate that later. The issue is that within the Constitution, the state has the right to secede under the, and I'm like, that may be true, but I think you're thinking about the Article of the Confederation. But anyway, (laughs) regardless, regardless of the process, it, they did it for slavery. I mean, the state's rights were, were for slavery. It was very clear. Everybody knew at the time. And they're like, well, let's don't get into that. Let's focus on how states have rights to secede from the compact. So they're just they're talking purely about process and not about substance, which is interesting. Right. Well, yeah, because the substance is owning human beings, and ever since. The 18th century, they've been trying the they've been trying to justify that, whether it's through process, legal judicial process, or or an appeal to uh, uh, property rights, or uh, it's in the Bible, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, that kind of stuff. Like they just, <laughs> I don't know. It's... It, it kind of all comes down to Romans, I think, is what we're getting at. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> You're actually right because they, we did base a lot of our laws on Roman <laughs> jurisprudence. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so uh, you know, I don't know if we could talk a little bit about Reconstruction at all. I I love the topic of Reconstruction. I like to talk about it at any chance that I get. <laughs> um, you must be great at parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In this corner, I'll be holding forth about reconstruction. <laughs> That's actually happened. I mean, we're just only half joking about that. That's why we gave me a podcast. <laughs> let, let me break in real quick and honestly ask you: What do, does this does this whole Confederate thing come up a lot in Whitesburg? Do y'all hear people talk about it? Well, we're surrounded by it. You know, just like I guess, like any other place that could be considered southern. Um. You know, there's there's the monument they built uh, on the Kentucky Virginia line, like maybe ten years ago. That uh, that yeah, there's a Confederate yeah yeah, and there's you know they fly the flag and all that stuff, and then you know it's sort of ubiquitous the flag is you know about anywhere around here. Yeah. So it's just, right. That, yeah. When, when you're driving in from Virginia, um, one of the first big images you see is a Confederate flag coming toward Whitesburg, um, right on the main road, just uh, a mile from the state line. Right, that somebody hung on their house. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, everybody's got sort of their uh, crackpot theories about, and this may be true, I actually don't know, I should maybe walk that back, but 
uh, about the the center star and the Confederate flag being for Kentucky. For Kentucky, because <laughs> Kentucky was neutral. And anytime you ask a anytime you question the southernhood of a Kentucky, and they get kind of pissy about it and point that out, that's like their kind of thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's everywhere. But and do it's, people? I mean, because there are people. You know, I grew up around a lot of Confederate reenactors, but they weren't like. Ideolog- they weren't like ideological people who like, you know, would take long arguments about John C. Calhoun or anything. They just like running around in the woods, <laughs> shooting smoke. Yeah. I mean, you, you, do folks, do folks? I mean, is it real or is it just like I like the flag, I like how it looks, and I'm a rebel, blah blah blah? Or is it like I really? I'll tell you John C. Calhoun's speech in 1847 when you know blah blah blah. Next time you drift through here, I'll introduce you to my old uh, psychology teacher from high school, Butch Schaltus, who uh, plays Robert E. Lee on the weekends in Cornetsville, this this town nearby. Yeah, because or Le- yeah, or Leatherwood. Re- yeah, side of yeah, because Leatherwood, Leatherwood is the closest um, reenactment. Reenactment battle, right? It's the closest site where there would have been a, a it, battle. And he does, and he does Facebook statuses in the character of Robert E. Lee. <laughs> Like, 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 I'm not saying like, he's not like dating at Captain's Log 18 whatever. He's like, like talking like Robert E. Lee still exists today. So I think he, he could be a little bit into it. I always thought Robert E. Lee was more of a Snapchat guy. But that's <laughs> yeah. Facebook's a little beneath it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty ubiquitous. Um, I think it means a lot of different things. Uh there is a very complex sort of psychology or psyche that's been constructed on top of it. Um, but it's also everywhere, like, in the sense that, like, I grew up in New Mexico, and people even had it, you know, had them in New Mexico, which was, yeah. I mean, I guess at that time you could make the argument that it was part of Texas. But so. you were born in Texas, and your parents or your dad's a Texan. Right. So but he that area of New Mexico is largely west texas right right right. but he's never you know despite being a a very conservative guy he's never been pro-confederate or anything so yeah out west it is a very interesting thing i had think it has all these sort of like don't tread on me undertones to it (laughs) but yeah yeah i do i do remember thinking um right after trump was elected i do remember thinking that the whole trump administration with jeff sessions and trump was the the literal embodiment administrative embodiment of the guy you see that's flying the american flag and the confederate flag it's just like those two are those are battle flags <laughs> like they don't like they don't go together but <laughs> there's a stretch of interstate 65 uh, south of Birmingham, right near where I grew up, and on one and on one side you have the Sons of Confederate veter- Veterans with like a forty thousand foot high Confederate battle flag, and like across the highway, like a half a mile down, there's just this big billboard with this angry patriotic America, love it or leave it, and I'm like, that's actually what they did. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's exactly that's a that's a good description of the Civil War, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, between here and Gate City, Virginia, there's someone flying a Confederate flag next to an Israeli flag, and I've always really wanted to talk I to that person. I want to talk to those people. Really oh, bad. that's yeah. totally fascinating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Um, so yeah. So like Reconstruction. Uh, it's interesting. You have this sort of explosion of Confederate monuments and stuff after Reconstruction. Um. Probably just sort of common sense or pretty obvious as to just what happens when you have a military military occupying force that literally makes it illegal to um, advocate Confederate causes. Um, I mean, you had, at one point you had Ulysses Grant that was sending the army, United States Army, after the KKK. Um, that's pretty fascinating stuff. It's pretty fascinating history, and it doesn't get told a lot it doesn't get um it's that's not the history that we um sort of traffic in um yeah i don't know i mean it's a lot more it's a lot more like iraq than it is like world war ii in the sense that like mission accomplished but then you have insurgents for years afterwards you know what i mean like yeah fighting the occupying force right but we so you had the Caddo, you know, Caddo Parish 
massacre and all these. I mean, you know, the Confederacy was fighting a long time after Appomattox. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, that was Nathan Bedford Forrest's, like, and that was his claim to fame, really. <laughs> it was a great general in the war, but, I mean, really came did, to his... Did, did, was his body ever exhumed from Memphis? Remember when that was the... Oh, they were yeah, talking about that? Did that ever, did they ever forget did. <laughs> Where did they put it? They just kind of, like, throw him in a creek somewhere, or...? It's propped up at the B.B. King Museum. <laughs> <laughs> kind of corner. He's taxidermied. He's kind of... No, but I mean, it, you know, the clan, you know, a lot, a lot of these groups, which they're not that different from these Iraqi, you know, these post-Iraq insurgent groups. Right. That's that's interesting. That's a really interesting, because, yeah, there was this sort of debathification process in Iraq, too. Totally. Um, yeah. But it, and like it, and like in in Iraq, you know, in Iraq, Paul Bremer says, "Well, we're going to just disband the army, but we're not going to arrest it." You know what I mean? Right. We're going to assume, and and that's how Reconstruction worked. Like they didn't they didn't want to make it punitive. Right. And those guys said, "All right, we're going to join up, and <laughs> right. you know, right. we're still armed." Yeah, you're you know? right. You're right. Whereas at Nuremberg, they just hung everybody. They're just like, you collaborated with the Nazis, you're done. You're, you're done, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Well, so, uh, so yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I think that probably um, brings us uh, sort of up to speed. Uh, do you, Anya? Ah. <laughs> I'm curious what uh, took you to Pittsburgh and what your plans are there. Me too. <laughs> um, they, they, uh, they. I, I've been talking for a while about sort of our coverage of rural issues. Um, I mean, way, way back before the election and stuff. Um, the election sort of a lagging indicator of these sort of issues that we haven't really been writing about. Yeah, we, we've and, uh, tore apart our fair share of New York Times articles here on this podcast. Hey, I, oh, yeah. I've got a weird idea, Campbell. There's an enterprising young podcast that could use a national profile that <laughs> I hear is really picking well, up steam. I, they're going to assign J.D. Vance to write a deep profile of you guys. Ooh, um, I would love that. That'd be very meta. <laughs> so anyway, and they told me I could, you know, the South is, you know, I've, I've covered the South for years, but it's just... The, the 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 sort of forces in the deep south are kind of the same. I mean, it hasn't changed that much. It's very static politically, and so they tell me I could pick a place. And uh, you know, I don't know anything about Pittsburgh, but I thought it sounded cool, and I'm interested in uh, Western Pennsylvania and West Virginia, and so I just kind of picked it. Well, yeah, we. Uh, uh, Probably, I'd say, get ready to cover a lot of industrial disasters, <laughs> things of that nature. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they have their share in South Louisiana too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> true. <that's>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they lose like a football field sized parcel of land uh, every hour or something in Louisiana. <laughs> it's something. It's, in yeah, there. I saw you tweet I mean, something it's the out, Kim. Disappearing land in the world. Yeah, did yeah. did you tweet oh something God. out that that's even that? process is even faster than previously thought or something like that yeah there was a study that they assume that it's going to go twice as fast Jeez. and that's from so. just like what great gas drilling or i mean there are a lot of causes the two major causes are one and i'm going to bore the hell out of you so forgive me i'll try to keep it quick <laughs> one the mississippi river just just used to wander around down there like a you know like when you throw a garden hose out and it just kind of flaps around and yeah. goes every direction yeah. um and that's and you know you got you know a third of america dumping silt into the mississippi river so when it flooded every spring down in the bayou it built land uh-huh. so flooded land is built land so uh it was about to jump banks in the early part of the century it was going to leave new orleans high and dry and they built levees for flooding and for to make sure it stayed by New Orleans and all this kind of stuff. And it's great. It doesn't flood. The Mississippi, you know, it hasn't flooded since the 20s. Um, but that present, prevents all that silt. And so the land is so new. I mean, it's the newest land in the, in the U.S. Because it was just, you know, half the, the marshland down there was put there by the Mississippi River in the last few hundred years. That it's just sinking and there's nothing to replenish it. So that's part of it. 
The other part is oil and gas has drilled so many canals that you have these freshwater marshes that are new and fragile. And, you know, an oil and gas company will dig a canal and all that salt water will come in and kill all the marsh. Right. And when they drill beneath the marsh, I mean, you sink, right? You're, 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 that oil and gas is solid material that you're sitting on top of. Uh-huh. So when they suck it dry, the land just sinks. And so between those two things and now rising sea level, um, it's gone. <laughs> it's and, bad. You know. Yeah. My little sister lives in Charleston, South Carolina, and when I go down there to visit, the beaches that we go to, almost all of them now, have huge pipes dredging land from under the ocean <laughs> to the beach. To the beach. <laughs> to the beach. I mean, the last time we went, I swear, me and my mom were, were, lean, were leaning against a pipe on the beach. <laughs> That's so wild. Humans. That's really <laughs> scenic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom was like, "What is going on?" I was like, yeah, "Climate change." Climate change. I'll tell you, uh, aren't Louisiana people in Louisiana the first um, U.S. climate ch- refugees? People uh, didn't I hear that or some yeah, islands? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a. I mean, we wrote a story about that. that it's. I don't love that term. I mean, that's what the federal government called them, climate refugees. Yeah. Um, this is an island that shrunk by ninety five percent over the last seventy eighty years. Wow. So climate's mm-hmm. not what did it but climate's probably what's going to tip them over right it's a it's a american indian tribe um or it's two of them actually that live on this little island ill john charles it's just a lovely little place little community they're all fishermen and stuff like that and it's shrunk i mean literally you'd stand on you stand on the levee with a guy and he's like i used to hunt deer over there and it's just ocean wow and in his lifetime he was deer hunting that's wild it's wild. And you get on boats, and they have these little maps, these little uh, computer programs that are really outdated, but that are sort of maps that they look at. And the boat's going over land on the computer, because when the computer program was drawn up, where they're going was land, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of like the I mean, the it's disappearing TVA so fast. The what? The TVA? the TVA lakes, all these man-made lakes in Tennessee that yeah. the TVA made, they're all, the lakes are all over communities like there are graveyards under there right churches yeah, we're like <laughs> the last scene in oh brother we're out there or aren't there you know just oh when the, when the water starts coming out right right mm-hmm. we were working with a contractor on a stream remediation project and i was like well where, where were you brought up at and he said at the bottom of car fork lake <laughs> wow that's amazing <laughs> yeah. that's wild <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, well, Campbell, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, I guess we'll cut you loose. Till... I'll see you in Whitesburg. Yeah, man. yeah, come by and see That'd us. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thanks ma- for having me. I'll, yeah. I'll have uh, I'll have my secretary Tom <laughs> connect you with Dean shortly. <laughs> yeah, we'll have our interns. Uh, give tell us Tom a... to do that. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that, Campbell. Thanks for joining us, and. Uh, we hope to see you soon, and uh, have a great week, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. See ya. All right, I think we're we're going. We're good. I've stopped bringing all things into the studio on my phone. I've just brought them all. I'm just going to bring them all on paper now. So I have the song itself on paper. What song? <laughs> Accidental Racist by Brad Paisley <laughs> and LL Cool J. Have you, have you heard this? No. <laughs> Me and Tom listened to this over the weekend. <laughs> is it, did this just come out? Maybe no, two years ago? Like, yeah, like maybe 2014 or something like that. Oh my God. You've got to hear the lyrics to this song. <clears throat> do you want to do, do, do LL Cool J in the style of LL Cool J? Here's kind of what I was thinking. Um, oh we'll just read it however you um, want to read it. Um... We'll read it. Uh, we'll read it dramatically. How about I do Brad Paisley's parts, and then you do <laughs> LL Cool J's parts? Okay. How's that sound? He's gonna make me be the problematical. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be Miranda Lambert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just want to be Miranda. Lambert. <laughs> but be be like, uh, be like woke Miranda Lambert. No, oh, no, 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 no. Who's he married to? Right. That's Blake Shelton that's married. Right, and they're not I even think. married anymore. That's what I mean. I'll be the divorcee, but who, no, he's he's married to like uh, Julia Dreyfus or something. Julia Dreyfus. Who's he's married to somebody famous? Like yeah, the like Elaine sh- from Seinfeld. 
Yeah, he's married to like a famous actress or something. <laughs> Fred, if Fred Paisley wrote this song and was married to Elaine from Seinfeld, that would be pretty much the most incredible I'm, fucking I've thing. got the interns on it right now. Brad Paisley. Get the cracked investigative staff <laughs> together. Kimberly Williams. Paisley. Maybe we're thinking of Kenny Chesney was married to... <laughs> What's her name from Jerry no, Maguire? He was. What, get us a Renee picture. Zell- Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Get us a picture up. I think. Uh, oh, or my my mic went up. He. For a minute. I could have swore he was. Uh, oh, she is an actress. Yeah, let's see. She's a on According of her. to Jim in Nashville and Father, both of the Father of the Brides. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She took his name. Why? 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 Why the fuck? My mic is fucking up. I gotta read these lyrics. Hold on, that's just LL Cool J's part. I just realized. <laughs> so, Tom, you take that. I want to do LL Cool J's part in the style of Brad Paisley. Oh God! I'll do Brad Paisley's like Brad part Paisley. in the style of LL oh Cool my J. God. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me pull up the lyrics oh real quick. So, the song is called "Accidental Racist" by Brad Paisley, featuring LL Cool J. What was he thinking? Well, yeah, you'll find out. Now that I, I'm, I'm remembering this now. You remember, like it's it's oh, it's shit. considered maybe the worst song ever written. So I I, I <laughs> by printed who? By, by like a lot of people, <laughs> the the court of public opinion. I printed these off at work, and I must have only grabbed LL Cool J's part. So I wonder if I left Brad Paisley's parts <laughs> oh, at the office, and they're like in the printer. And my oh, wow. boss actually called me during that interview with Campbell, so maybe he was just like, <laughs> you, buddy, you, uh... you want to tell me to talk about something? <laughs> All right. All right, this is, all right, Accidental Races, verse one. To the man that waited me at the Starbucks down on Main, I hope you understand when I put on that T-shirt. The only thing I meant to say is I'm a Skinner fan. The red flag on my chest somehow is like the elephant in the corner of the South. And I just walked him right in the room, just a proud rebel son with an old can of worms. Looking like I got a lot to learn. But from my point of view, here's the chorus. I'm just a white man coming to you from the Southland. I'm just a white (laughs) man coming from the Southland. Trying to understand. Trying to understand. What it's like not to be. What it's like not to be. I'm proud of where I'm from, but not everything we've done. (laughs) And it ain't like you and me can rewrite history. Uh, so let's just call it square, yeah? This is yeah. brutal. Our generation didn't start this nation. We're still picking up the pieces, walking on eggshells. That's my favorite part, walking on eggshells. Just like, like Brad, Paisley Brad Paisley is terrified in a room with black people. <laughs> yeah, he, hates yeah. To, he hates to be accused of being racist. Fighting over yesterday and caught between Southern pride and Southern blame. You, do you think he wrote this song with LL Cool J? You think they sat in a room together and wrote this? I think so, and LL Cool J's verse is why I think so, and Tom will get to that in a minute. Here's verse two. They called it Reconstruction, fixed the buildings, dried some tears. We're still sifting through the rubble after 150 years. I try to put myself in your shoes, and that's a good place to begin. But it ain't like I can walk a mile in someone else's skin. I was really hoping he was gonna go in someone else's Tim's. Just like the most <laughs> racist the most racist shit. <laughs> oh shit. All right. Oh, um, I think so, we're gonna re- immediately regret this episode. <laughs> this might be our best yet. That's uh all right, so we then we redo the chorus. Now here's Tanya, Tom. I need you on the chorus. Now um, I don't know the fucking chorus. Do y'all want me to sing it again? Cause I'm just a white man <laughs> living in the Southland. Just like you, I'm more than what you see. I'm proud of where I'm from, but not everything we've done. And it ain't like you and me can rewrite history. Oh, I like that. I, I I don't like it. I like it ironic that that sentiment of like, man, there's nothing that can be done here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Terrence is in here fist bumping about it. He's just like, oh. oh yeah, the South's going to rise. The South's going to rise, Tonya. Our, our generation didn't start this nation, and we're still paying for the mistakes that a bunch of folks made long before we came and caught somewhere between Southern pride and Southern blame. What? And then the... the what go ahead, I'm sorry. Tell me what Brad Paisley, what he's paying, like... It, <laughs> 
what discomfort is he in in his life? That he's a scared of black people? Um, I think it's more that he's scared of being called racist. He just wants to wear his Confederate flag without. Wow. So his greatest fear, his greatest daily fear leaving the house is that someone's going to think he's a racist. Can you fathom that existence? I love, I love that he 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 sets this up like the first lyrics to the man that waited on me at the Starbucks down on Main, like. He he he, can, he figures it in his mind. The place where he goes, where people are going to be mad at him for being racist, is it's the Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, he's nervous about his Starbucks experience. Yeah, totally. That's fucking. I didn't even think about that. That is pretty. Women this is are the, being shot for their yeah. children for calling the cops on burglars, and he's terrified. This is the psychology of the upper middle class. Upper class, middle aged white man. I'm not kidding you. And, and this is and what they're tri- what he's trying to get at in this song is that we're the same. We have the same discomfort. <laughs> we're living this. Look Literally. how much we have in common. Yeah, it ain't like you and me can rewrite history. You know what I mean? It's uh, well, while uh, we can pay reparations, my man. Well, what here's the fuck? then the then the beat breaks down. <laughs> yeah, the beat breaks down, <laughs> and Uncle L comes on. And he says, now my chains are gold, but I'm still misunderstood. I wasn't there when Sherman's march turned the South to firewood. That's a fuck. I love that line. I want you to get paid, but be a slave I never could. Feel like a newfangled Django dodging invisible white hoods. So when I see that white cowboy hat, I'm thinking it's not all good. I guess we're both guilty of judging the cover, not the book. I'd love to buy you a beer, conversate and clear the air. But I see that red flag, and I think you wish I wasn't here. <laughs> he and now he he, he they they now sing the chorus together. You ready? So yeah, we sing it back and forth. Sing it. <laughs> you ready? I got Uncle L's part. I'm just a white man. If you don't judge my do rag, coming to you from the Southland. I won't judge your red flag. Trying to understand what it's like not to be. We say that together, probably. Oh, I'm sorry. What it's like, like not, not to be. be. I'm proud of where I'm from. If you don't judge my gold chains. But not everything we've done. I'll forgive the iron chains. Oh, that's so it, it ain't like hell. It ain't like me. It ain't like you and me can rewrite history. Can't oh, rewrite history, baby. I, the, the pain in my stomach right now. I like that. I love it. Hey, can't rewrite, can't rewrite history. history, baby. Oh, my God. All right. Now he's got a second verse. LL, no, this is you oh, again. This is giving me an ulcer. I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're doing, you're doing the the re- refrain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dixieland. The relationship between the Mace and Dixon needs some fixing. I hope you understand what this is all about. Quite frankly, oh, no, no. This wait, is, wait, we it is. It is. <laughs> we did. It is. So, anyways, I'm sorry. We should still keep going. Oh, Dixieland. The relationship between the Mace and Dixon needs some fixing. I hope you understand what this is all about. Quite frankly, I'm a black Yankee, but I've been thinking about this lately. I'm a son of the New South. The past is the past, you feel me? And I just want to... I like how LL is just like... He's trying to be... He's just trying to... It's good, baby. Hey, I'm speaking for everybody in this country. But Paisley's still melting down over here. And I just want to, I just want to make things right. <laughs> hey, hey, at this point, at this point, LL's kind of getting a little like, it's good, man. Hey, let bygones be bygones. Where all that's left is Southern pride. R.I.P. Robert E. Lee, but I've got to thank Abraham Lincoln for freeing me. Know what I mean? Oh it's God. real. It's real. It's, it's truth. truth. <laughs> Accidental racism. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Accidental racism. That blows my mind. When I heard that, I had that weird sort of um, surreal feeling right after that I had right after the election where I was like, everything is so fucking lopsided and strange. When I read that line, R.I.P. Robert E. Lee, but I've got to thank Abraham Lincoln for freeing me, know what I mean. R.I.P. Robert E. Lee. it's like it's the the whole song is this total mash like just mishmash of like um it's it is the anxiety oh god I don't even know how to begin psychoanalyzing you know it's this. at least more testament to 
um, something we've said before is that women only make good country music anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> only women make and and a few and East Kentucky boys. <laughs> women and Eastern Kentucky boys make good country music anymore. Nine Eleven killed. Well, what's so funny is that like Brad Paisley's from West Virginia, so like yeah, that's Southern, but it's not like Confederate Southern. Like West Virginia was a Union yeah. stronghold, you know. What I mean? You know, it was created yeah. for that purpose. Yeah, it's but what his ass now lives in Nashville, probably. Yeah, and and we might have should have talked to the, with Campbell about this for a little bit, but that sort of this is interesting that this this I can't really tell what Paisley's intentions are here and some of the lines he's like i want to do right to rid himself of white guilt that's what this <laughs> that, is yeah this, yeah. Is like, this you're is. right that's this was the earlier salvo you're yeah. right but it is it's done in the most half step apologetic way like if some other country singers will would sing something similar but it would be way more unapologetic does that make sense it would be way more just like it's over get over it there's nothing we can do about it but paisley here is like there's something there's got to be something we can do right but like well he's sitting at a table with uncle l he can't he can't be accusatory his, you know his manager worked very hard with ll cool j's manager to get them in a room together the only thing that would have made this more cringeworthy as if you know when ll cool j's rapping about buying him a beer so they can just talk this whole race thing out uh-huh if they would have scrapped that idea and went with their original idea, which was Brad Paisley's like, let me treat you to some Hennessy and we'll talk this out. Oh, God. <laughs> you know who we really have to blame for this is Tim McGraw and Nelly. They started oh, this bullshit. Oh, yeah, no yeah. They started this You're shit. You're right. But it wasn't, as poli- it wasn't political, though. It wasn't really as political. That was political. a classic heartbreak song. <laughs> <laughs> and I think about you over and over again. <laughs> That's how that one went. Yeah. <laughs> this one is totally, um, it's coming at you from a lot of different directions. It really is. Um, check out check out the intern. He loves the trillbillies. He talks to me about it all the time. Oh, that's so great. This guy does? Yeah. I remember, you've met him since, but he, when he first met, he said, who's the guy who always jokes about being a socialist? And I'm I, like, that's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not a joke. Um, and then uh, Eric was telling me today... Uh, on the couches this programmer that came in and left he said that guy used to be a marxist and i was like what do you mean used to be and he was like he used to be a marxist he used to uh what do you tell me uh he used to is he afraid of that what? i don't know but i was just like what are you talking about like he a... used to be he's like he's recovering like he's a recovering <laughs> alcoholic uh, that guy used to be <laughs> but that guy used to <laughs> If I left this on the fucking copier at work, I've got a lot of explaining to do tomorrow. All right. Well, I've got to go eat dinner. All right. Do y'all want some spaghetti? Uh, thanks for the offer. I'm going to go home and eat. Thanks for uh, Accidental Racist. And uh, thanks for being you. Thanks for being you. All right. This is a wrap. Let's, let's call this one. Um... Starbucks down on me. I hope you understand. When I put on that t shirt, the only thing I meant to say is I'm a Skinnerd fan. The red flag on my chest somehow is like the elephant. I just walked him right in the room Just a proud rebel son With an old can of worms Looking like I got a lot to learn But from my point of view I'm just a white man Coming to you from the Southland Trying to
fighting 